All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am incredibly excited to have this guest on the show today. You know, I think in society right now, we see a lot of people going through the internal turmoil of the stress, the anxiety, and not being in true alignment with what our true passion is. And so as I was, you know, on LinkedIn, I came across a previous interview that my guest did talking about her inner awakening, but more so the journey that she went on to find her true place of happiness at this point in time in her life. And I am incredibly excited to bring Kelly Anderson onto the show today. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, Keenan, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. It's an important one. Um, you know, I think, like I said, in a little bit of an introduction, so many people today are kind of out of alignment with ourselves, but the process of really going through the transformation that it takes to get from where we are to where we need to get to is a difficult one. And so I would love it if you gave kind of a couple seconds or, you know, gave your story about kind of your transformation and we'll kind of take the conversation naturally from there. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, whew, how do I pare this down to a couple of seconds, but I will, um, I'll do my best here. So long story short, I had spent, you know, the better part of 15 years post-college in a career that I had just fallen into. Um, I was a recruiter recruiter and had made a number of job changes throughout the agency world and internally for corporate recruiting. And, you know, things were going really well. So from the outside looking in, it was kind of like, hey, you've got it all. Great career. You're growing, getting promoted. You know, life looks good outside of work. Um, but I just knew like after a while that I was not in alignment with who I truly was. And I knew that I was not in alignment with my purpose. And that really came to a head in 2018, and I know we'll probably get into some of the details there, but 2018 uh, really kind of kick-started a massive like two, three-year transformation for me, which included shedding a whole lot <laughs> from my way of being that I knew at the time that included a career, a marriage, friendships, lifestyle, and ultimately what led me to where I'm at today, which is in my purpose as a coach. Well, I mean, I am so proud of you for having the fortitude to go through that transformation because change often is something that is scary for a lot of us. And I've been doing a lot of personal work in my life trying to recognize change as an opportunity for something else to occur. And sometimes when you get into a moment of uncertainty or that true alignment with recognizing that we're outside of our true purpose, we kind of have these intuitive, I guess, signals that start going off that kind of give us those whispers. My mom always said, you know, when you are in doing things that you shouldn't be doing, maybe you hear whispers, but when you're on the right path, you also hear whispers as well. And so when you were kind of in your stages of recognizing those whispers, what was your life like at that point in time? What were some of those signals that you were seeing? Yeah, and it's so interesting that you say whisper because that's exactly how I, I think of it when I think back to that time, it was the fall of 2018. And I was um, in a career at a company that I had been at for eight years, um, super stressed out coming home, uh, either exercising or, you know, having happy hour or what have you, and um, kind of going to bed, waking up and doing it all over again. And it did start with a whisper. So I started having these just anxious feelings of like, you're meant for more, but it wasn't loud. And I always say this, especially when I'm talking to my clients, like your ego is loud, your intuition is very calm and quiet. And so learning to really discern between who it is internally that's talking to you is so important. And, 
you know, I had never really had an, uh, a relationship with my intuition. I always, you know, was raised to kind of make decisions based on what others wanted for me and what, what I should do, right? That, that, that letter, that word should, it's always so, so controlling sometimes. And so the whisper kind of started becoming louder. Um, you know, I would say 2019 is when it started becoming um, a little bit more pronounced and I started seeing changes happening within my marriage and within my career that, you know, were the signal to me that it's, it's time to go through a massive life transformation. And I didn't know exactly what lied ahead. Um, like most human beings, I was scared of change. And that's how our brains wire us to be, is to be scared of going through change because we have to know the how, we have to know it's on the other side. And I didn't know it was on the other side, um, but I also knew that it was happening for me and that the only way out was through. <laughs> so that sort of began the the change one after another of changing my career, leaving my marriage, leaving the lifestyle that I knew, leaving the friend group that I knew. And, you know, then once the pandemic hit, it, it allowed me to really get isolated with myself to start healing from shedding all of those old identities. I mean, such a, a powerful message. Um, you know, one thing that you said there in the conversation was your intuition. So, you know, when we grow up, we are not really trained to really follow our intuition. You know, I have this conversation often, you know, we go through our entire lives in the schooling process, where we're really told to kind of just like do a certain thing. And there's a lot of outside influences that kind of push us down the path. And maybe sometimes along that journey, we feel like this isn't right, but everybody else is marching in the same direction. And I know that you are a part of a large family as well. So do you think, you know, your early life didn't really give you the opportunity to kind of follow your intuition because you were kind of moving with the herd, if that makes sense? I think so. I'm the third of three children in my family. And so I think my natural state as a child was to be quiet and observant. And so I would see hey, here's what my brother and sister are doing. Here's what my parents are really steering them towards. Like, I have to do the same thing. I have to go to a similar type college. I have to get a similar type job. Thinking that I had a decision in it um, was not even an option for me. And it wasn't necessarily, I can't put the blame on my parents and say that they raised me incorrectly or what have you, but I definitely felt like I had to do what was laid out for me and that I didn't necessarily have the free reign to explore my own interests, my own passions and my own intuition. So that's why I always used to say to people, I don't even know what my gut's telling me or what my intuition sounds like, you know, until I got into my thirties. The thirties is an interesting topic of discussion for so many of us, because I think we kind of see our twenties are spent in maybe aligning with going with the crowd. I'll use that statement again. You know, when I turned 21, I moved from Conway, South Carolina to Las Vegas. And I found myself in a completely new environment with new friend groups. And we were doing a lot of things that involved living in Vegas, going out, drinking, doing all of these things to escape, if you will. And now that I've gotten into my 30s, my priorities have changed a little bit. And my friend group has also started to change as well to get in line with my alignment of what I really want to accomplish. And sometimes, you know, making the change from our friends is a very difficult process. And so how did you build the confidence and the fortitude to kind of leave some of those groups and some of those chapters or seasons in your life behind with a recognition that you needed to go somewhere different to be truly happy? Mm. Ooh, it was hard. It was really uncomfortable. Um, 
ultimately what really started that transition was as I was going through the separation and divorce with my then husband, which started back in 2019, a lot of the friends that I was associated with were mutual friends, couples friends that we had spent a lot of time with. And, you know, as we separated, it felt natural for me to separate myself from that group of friends as well. And it was super lonely. I mean, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It felt like, I don't know who my people are. I don't know who my tribe is, who can I go to going through this, you know, healing process, which is so deep and dark at times. Um, but over time I really started creating a new perspective on it and really looking back and going, you know, like leaving that friend group behind was probably one of the best decisions I made during this healing process. Um, you know, there's that old quote that says you can't heal in the same environment that made you sick. And that rings so true for me because, you know, all of these people were wonderful people, but I realized our hobbies were, you know, drinking and, you know, playing games and all that kind of stuff. And um, I just was moving away from that lifestyle where those were no longer my hobbies. I was really looking for something more deep and more fulfilling than daily happy hours. And um, that was just kind of the natural progression. And I was willing to be alone um, rather than fall back into something comfortable. The the transition of change is a scary one. And this is something that I've been kind of dealing with. Um, you know, often I find myself... I find myself on my path towards what I'm trying to accomplish as being a lonely road. And there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say stagnation, but there are periods of having to feel comfortable with the change not occurring. You know, the way I look at it is like you, when you go into a new chapter, there's going to be like a loading process and that loading process does take time. But sometimes I feel like even in my personal journey, I found myself wanting to get distracted along the way. Um, by doing the activities like going out and drinking and filling my time and my space. And that's been something that I've really had a trouble or had trouble in my life doing is kind of slowing down and sitting with the, the inactivity. And so did you kind of find yourself, you know, naturally moving towards those activities that were distracting or kind of escaping while you were going through this time of change? Because I know that that's a period of, um, you know, real struggle that I've dealt with in my life because the change doesn't happen instantaneously. But what am I supposed to do between here and there? Sometimes I fill that space with activities that aren't as good as they should be, I guess. Oh, 100%. Like you hit the nail on the head there. And I would say, especially those first six months when I was on my own going through that separation period, I did not want to be alone for more than 15 minutes at a time. I mean, it was brutal to sit with my own feelings and thoughts. I, I was not well-trained at that point in life to be able to sit and let those feelings exist and let them be without completely breaking down and freaking out. And so, you know, like many humans, I went straight into avoidance mode. It was, all right, I got to call up a friend. I got to go meet him. I got to go do this thing or go to the gym and over-exercise and take back-to-back -back classes. Like it was anything that I could possibly do to fill every minute of the day to avoid feeling what I was feeling. And that's why I also say that like the beauty of COVID was what allowed me to heal because those first couple months when we were all just locked down in our homes, like you had no choice but to be with yourself. And for me, especially when I was still adjusting to living alone again, it was like, okay, universe, I hear you. I, I have to heal through this now. I can't create any more distractions. The jig is up. It's on you now. So um, 
but yeah, those first few months for sure, it was what distraction can I, you know, fill the void with? This is a topic that I talk about a lot. And in the beginning of the talk today, you said your lifestyle before you had the successful job, you had the family, you had, or the, you know, you had everything that was going on that a lot of people shoot for, but you recognize that you weren't happy. Was there a time in your life when you recognize that instead of persisting through this, you had to pivot? It's an interesting topic for me because, you know, even in business, we always talk about, well, if we continue to go down this road, something good will happen. But sometimes persisting through bad times doesn't make as much sense as pivoting towards a new opportunity. And I'm not saying being flippant in our decisions, but did you have a perception of should I continue down this path or should I pivot in the new direction? It went a little bit like that. And I would say that that moment, that pivot, as you call it, came up a couple couple of different times through this journey. Um, the first being that that point in the fall of 2018, where it was, gosh, what's my purpose? I'm going to take some time to figure it out. Um, I prolonged that process by taking another corporate job in 2019 and thought that that would fix everything and then realized that didn't fix anything at all. I'm still not aligned with what I truly feel is my purpose. Um, but I was moving in the right direction. If I reflect back, like that step had to happen in order for me to get to where I am now. And the divorce certainly was a pivot that I didn't fully see coming. But if I, if I look back, I can really start thinking about, yeah, the signs were there and I should have probably, um, taken action on that and pivoted sooner than I did. But again, like the timing is what it is and happens for a reason, and then I would say the other pivot point was early 2021. I had already kind of gone through the healing process of the divorce and was feeling really good and confident in the life that I was creating for myself. And the one final piece was the career. And so that first Monday of 2021, you know, coming back after the holidays, it's dark and dreary outside in the Northwest. I opened my laptop and I was just like, gosh, like, this is the year. Like, I can't keep doing this because this is just not feeding my soul. And um, I had done so much work on myself spiritually, emotionally, mentally, that I was at a point where like, I was confident enough to be able to take a risk. And so I started laying the groundwork that day, hired a coach, started putting together a financial plan to plan my exit strategy from corporate. And by May of that year, was able to leave my position and pivot down this road of getting certified as a coach and starting my business. And so, um, yeah, like the temp the temptation to continue on this safe route was there, but I also realized like I'd been playing it safe for so long and it got me far, um, externally speaking, right? Like successful job, home, all these things. But the real wealth for me was the internal happiness and the fulfillment and the joy. And that was what was missing. And so I was willing then to pivot and make the decision to do something, you know, risky that I'd never done before for the sake of that happiness. And you're feeling fulfilled now compared uh, to where you came from. Night and day, Keenan. it is such a different life now. And I am like filled with gratitude every single morning that I wake up for the life that I've created now. It's remarkable. The one thing that I think um, was a blessing, like you said, out of COVID was the time that we spent by ourselves, but also the ability to be almost hyper-connected through video, like we're doing today as we record this. 
you know, one thing that I'm super interested in is the conversation around overall happiness. And I love the fact that you are helping other people recognize their happiness and their true alignment, because the conversation has to be had. Do I stay in the job that pays me 87, dollars $110,000 a year, but I'm unhappy? Or do I take the risk and maybe take less money, but be fulfilled through the happiness? And I think so many times we are in that search, but that search in itself may give us some answers that we think are scary. Because I feel like often we live a lifestyle that is to fulfill things that make other people happy, the job, the roles, the possessions, the house, the things. And sometimes you have to go through an awakening, if you will, to kind of make sure that you are in alignment with that. And so saying what I said, why do you think it's so difficult for so many people or even your clients today to kind of recognize what's going to make them happy um, to make that shift towards true fulfillment? Mm, so, so good. I love this topic. I think a couple of things. We're so conditioned to value possessions, value material items, value the benefits, the retirement fund, all of these things. Like we are so conditioned to think that we need those things rather than seeing those as an extra or a nice to have or a maybe I don't even need this thing that we subscribe to ways of being, jobs, what have you, that give us that in return. And then we think like, all right, this is a fair deal. But then we wonder why we're not happy. Like those things don't actually fill us up and bring us joy. If you were to ask anybody on the street, like what brings you joy? Like they're going to talk about experiences. They're going to talk about connections. They're going to talk about relationships, adventures, whatever that is. It's not going to be the brand new Maserati out in the front yard. Like maybe that adds to it, but that's not going to be the deepest, most beautiful thing that makes them happy. So I think that's one thing. And then the other is really the judgment, right? Like, especially if you're raised in, in the way that maybe I was, and I know many people were where, you know, you're taught to go to school, get a great job and stay in that career until 65 and you retire when you choose a different path, you're at the mercy of potentially being judged by those around you, family, peers, what have you. And they're going to, they're going to be noisy about it. They're going to tell you that it's going to fail. And so it's much easier to appease them and believe what they have to say, rather than again, like tap into your own tuition to really define what's right for you. And it's interesting because I think like we, we struggle with defining what wealth means to us. And again, like we talk about how we're taught to value material possessions and money and what have you. And a lot of people really struggle with giving that up for spiritual wealth, mental wealth, um, family, other things that I think could be considered valuable, but you can't measure that so much in money or in currency. So we sort of disregard that as happiness. I think the, there's often an example of, you know, people who have all of the money in the world. And this is a topic I think that we can get into a little bit. You know, I've seen some people on LinkedIn posting about these people who socially from a social media perspective have millions and millions of followers, but unfortunately they are unhappy and they end up fortunate, unfortunately dying by suicide. And these are some of the most heartbreaking like things that I see. It's like these beautiful men and women are to the world having everything. They're happy. They've got the car. They've got the hundreds of thousands of likes on each of their posts. And then they end up being in a place where they're so happy that they just can't stand to be here anymore. And so it obviously kind of creates a moment of perspective for me to ask myself, 
am I chasing what somebody else just really, I guess, recognized as not being the end goal? And should I be prioritizing the things that make me happy along the way? Um, I honestly have a trouble with this as an entrepreneur because the culture that I live in and I participate in every single day says I need to go chase the money. I need to go have the private jet. You need to go have the unicorn, the billion dollar company that you can build and grow to do other things. But there's so much that has to be sacrificed along the way in order to get there that I often wonder if we have all been bamboozled, if you will, to kind of chase this dream that isn't fulfilling. And maybe we're passing up the times that we have with the people who we love and the experiences that we could be having along the way um, in chase of something that isn't fulfilling. Um, it's kind of like a, like a switch at the end of the day that kind of um, maybe we fall trapped to before it's too late. It's true. Like we're very heavily influenced by external forces and external beliefs around money and wealth. Right. And at the missing piece here, I think for a lot of people that may lead to, again, like that lack of fulfillment, once they attain that beautiful, luxurious lifestyle is the why. Having money and being financially abundant is not a problem and that's not a bad thing. But I think people who are on that route and have that as a life goal need to be super, super clear with themselves on the why. And if that why fulfills you, if it's because I want to have a secure you know, future for my family or I wanna be able to donate or invest in X, Y, Z, like whatever your why is, as long as that rings true for you, of who you are at your authentic core, then it's not a problem. But if you're doing it to keep up and you're doing it because you think you have to, like that's where you get into trouble because then you find out, actually, this didn't make me happy at all. You know, one of my favorite sayings right now, um, there's a guy who I follow on social media. His name is Alex Hermosi. He's uh, very successful from a business perspective. And he had a statement one time. He was like, you know, once you make enough money, you can fix all of your money problems, but then you're left with all the problems that money can't solve. And there's a lot more of those than what you think there are. And, you know, I think sometimes a lot of people are just trying to get to the next level where we find security in the money that we have. And we recognize once we get there that, oh, dang, I still have a lot of these internal issues with my happiness that the dollar bill cannot solve. And that's something that I think a lot of people are falling victim to. Um, and I just kind of love your perspective on that as well. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And he's absolutely right. Money does not solve a lot of problems. It, it can solve some, but if you're not doing the inner work simultaneously, along with earning that money, then you are going to find yourself in a place where you are still disconnected from people and you have other issues that you haven't worked through yet. Um, and I also think there's a, a good percentage of people that haven't necessarily explored their their money mindset. Um, and I'm not a money mindset coach, but I, I know a few out there in the industry that do work with clients on this topic. But I think understanding the frequency of money and understanding the energy of money is also a big missing piece for people that really want to chase wealth, but don't fully understand what wealth is. Um, so I think really being able to understand your money mindset, how you hold money, how you invest money, how it's an energetic exchange um, is super important too, if you want to have meaningful wealth. Um, yeah, I think wealth in itself is a ratio, right? I mean, like if you make $100,000 a year and you spend $99,000 or $99,000 of that money, then you're not going to be wealthy. Um, but I think sometimes we find ourselves falling trapped to the, once I get more, I have to, you know, have more that inflation naturally occurs. And that leads to a, a little bit of a dangerous place. 
Um, you know, I, last time we talked, you spoke a lot about limiting beliefs. And I would love to kind of take a topic down um, that path. Why are so many of us impacted by these limiting beliefs that we have today? And what is your perspective on, you know, how we can overcome them? Mm. Great question. I think a lot of us don't even realize the limiting beliefs are essentially given to us from childhood on. So we talked a little bit about this earlier. We'll go down this path, but the way that we were raised, whatever your you know, family structure was at home, you're influenced heavily through that lens of belief patterns. And then you go off to school and you're influenced heavily through teachers, administrators, peers, what have you. And then if you participate in activities outside of school, you're heavily influenced through your coaches or your instructor or what have you. And so all along, you're like just gathering and processing all of this information in your subconscious. And that is forming the way that you view the world. That's the lens that you're seeing the world through for better or for worse, right? And so all of us develop a belief system from early on and we operate off that belief system throughout the rest of our entire lives, unless we become aware of the ones that are no longer serving us. And a lot of those are really subconscious um, that we may not even know are there. And so one of the ways that I take my clients through the exercise of uncovering those subconscious beliefs are to ask them their perspective on things like life. And I'll have them fill in the blank. Life is what? And that will often be a, a really interesting alarm bell for how they view the world and what their internal belief about the world is and how they interact with the world. And then I'll have them do it with other topics such as money, relationships, any, and kind of go down the road there. And so that'll uncover a belief. And as we go through the process of uncovering the belief to rewire it, it takes a lot of practice. I mean, think about it, like we're 30 something years old, we've been holding on to a belief our entire life. You're not going to be able to just change it and rewire that neural pathway in your brain straight away. You've got to practice implementing the new belief over and over and over again until you feel like you're embodying that belief. And so whether that's saying it out loud every day in a mantra form, whether that's journaling on it, um, there's a number of ways that you can kind of continue to rewire that, but it's going to take patience and we're in a culture of instant gratification. So patience is not our strong suit right now. And uh, we don't have the patience to rewire the belief for ourselves. And so we just go, uh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, often, you know, I tell myself stories about myself. I am a big believer in being able to speak into existence, the world that you want to see around you. And so often I have to kind of not limit my own beliefs about myself and the experiences that I've had in the past, but I like to be able to tell my stories like today, I'm going to be successful because I am putting in the work to do so. And I think often, you know, that internal monologue that we have is just so important that I think often we don't give ourselves enough credit to really understand how important it really is. You know, I have, um, in my life, I've got a couple people who um, often speak negatively about themselves. And I kind of reframe some of those conversations by saying, would you speak to someone else in your life that way? Would you speak to your mother? Would you speak to your sister? Would you speak to your brother? Would you speak to your dad that way? And they're like, well, absolutely not. That's crazy. I'm like, okay, so why would we talk to ourselves that way? You know what I mean? I think sometimes we don't give ourselves the distance to recognize that we have true influence over ourselves and being able to speak those narratives about overcoming challenges or at least being positive to ourselves has a huge outcome in the way in which we carry ourselves into every situation. How do you feel about that? 
Yes, I love that exercise. And I take my clients through that as well. And similar to what your friend says, like, no, absolutely. They would never talk to a family member that way. Um, but you bring up an interesting point that, that I do want to touch on a little bit because our beliefs are really just a result of thoughts that we're having. So we have what, like 50,000 or 80,000, I can't remember the figure exactly, some odd thoughts just flowing through our brain every single day. Mm -hmm. And we get to decide which of those thoughts that we believe. But unless we have that level of consciousness that allows us to separate self from thought, we just take it as truth no matter what. And so what I always encourage clients to do is if they're having thoughts and they're finding that they're not serving them or, or taking them to a place that they want to go in life, I ask them to create distance between themselves and that thought by putting it down on paper. And that can be scary for some people. That can be really scary to be like, that's what my brain is telling me. Um, but that awareness and that distance is so important because once you create that distance, you can be really real with yourself and be like, okay, I don't want to believe that thought anymore. That's giving me the result that I have currently. And I want a new result. So that means I need to take this thought and flip it into this thought. And that's the one that I want to start thinking and believing and acting from. Um, and so I, I'm a big believer in journaling um, and going through the process of like what I call a thought dump, which is if you are having a lot of internal noise about a goal, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're overwhelmed by it get in your brain, get a piece of paper and start writing down every single thought that comes up, even if it's uncomfortable. And it's mm -hmm. by the way, okay, if it's an uncomfortable task to do this, but we have to get to a point where we're creating distance between ourselves and those thoughts so that we can really start deciding which thoughts we want to implement going forward. I read a book that was very impactful for me. It was called the untethered soul. And there's an exercise that's done in there. It's called, you know, the roommate. And the analogy is given, you know, if you were to actually spend time with that internal voice on a daily basis, what type of activities would you do? And what type of activities would you start to recognize that maybe this voice isn't as credible as it should be? And the example is if I had to sit next to my roommate on the couch and we were watching a movie, all of the thoughts that start to go off as the credits start rolling are very interesting. Like, is that that new car? Or I wonder if I left the dryer on. All of these conversations that consistently occur, um, we have to be able to create distance from that voice. And so recognizing that voice as somebody who I am observing has been a big exercise for me because it does give me the credibility and the distance from that internal monologue to recognize that, hey, maybe some of this stuff isn't as valid as you say it is. Because there have been so many times when I'm about to go into a meeting or I'm like going to go talk to somebody for the first time or even coming into the podcast today, when I have that internal voice of like, okay, what are you going to say? Or maybe we shouldn't do this or are they going to cancel, blah, blah. And like all of those internal voices are very interesting. But when I give myself that distance to kind of hush them and put them in the corner on timeout, it gives me that freedom to be able to operate more freely. Um, and that's just been a huge exercise for me that's really, really helped in the past years. Oh, I love that exercise. And it, it is like, we have to realize that a thought is just a thought. It doesn't mean that it's true for everyone around you. And it doesn't mean that it's true for you. One of the things that I do with my clients when they are working through a limiting belief, which is based on a thought, um, first question I'll ask them is, is this true? And that gives them some pause because you can tell sometimes that they haven't even considered that it might not be true. Um, so they'll sit with that question for a beat or two. And then I'll ask them to start thinking about all of the ways that that belief may not be true. And so we're starting the process of rewiring the brain to start looking for evidence 
that this may not actually be a true belief about myself. And then we'll kind of go down the process of what do you actually want to believe and how can we create a statement that feels really powerful around that new thing that you want to believe? So that's a fun exercise. I love to see kind of the gears turning with folks when they're going through it because sometimes they just haven't given themselves the, the grace and the space to consider another way. I think it's sometimes that voice is almost behind our defenses, right? It's like if our advisor is right next to us, sometimes we'd feel like they would be giving us the best advice all the time and challenging, is this true, um, is a great way to reframe that. You know, ever since we started communicating, you've come across and you've always presented as such an incredibly positive, uplifting person. How do you stay positive in the world today, especially when we have all of this negativity swirling around us? I'm very interested in how people kind of fortitude or like, you know, create fortitude in their mindset to not let themselves be so influenced by all the negative stuff that seems to be swirling. How are you kind of dealing with that stuff today? Oh, I, you know, with so much going on at some point, you learn to detach your emotions from what is going on in the world. And I probably have maybe just a, a different perspective even that I, I see a lot of it as a circus, to be totally honest with you. Um, I see a lot of it as theater. Mm. And um, and that's not to bypass some of the, the severity of things that are going on in the world, but at the same time, my level of consciousness allows me to kind of step outside of the day-to-day -day, uh, matrix, like I like to call it, and watch it like a movie and watch all of the players get into battle and fight one another. And, and I'm sitting here going, okay, in my purpose and how I choose to invest my energy and my time every day, I'm working on creating a new world for us. I'm working on slowly extricating people from that matrix so that we can start creating a different level of consciousness and love and light that will absolutely outshine what's going on right now. It's going to take a little time, of course, but I just see it as such a bigger picture than what's going on. Um, it's just, it's not worth my energy to get caught up in every little battle that, that happens out there on social media or in the news or with friend groups. I just choose not to engage because it's, it's energetically not worth it. Um, and your note on positivity, you know, to be totally honest, like I'm not positive every single day. Um, I'm real. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it can be, um, easy to want to be positive every single day, but I also am working on acknowledging when the feelings and thoughts are not so positive. Um, I definitely go through cyclical seasons of, you know, initiations, like I like to call them, where, you know, triggers come up, dark times come up, things that still need to be healed come up. And, you know, I don't ever want to just be overly positive and bypass those moments for healing. I still want to be able to sit in it and learn from it what I need to. Um, but I do always know that there are brighter days. I do always know that there is a reason and a purpose in a dark season. So um, in that sense, I do stay positive, but I don't bypass it by not allowing myself to feel what's going on. And that's a topic of discussion that I've had a lot recently. It's, um, you know, the terminology of toxic positivity, which I think in itself is a valid term. Um, I've always used positivity and optimism as a framework that will give me a choice in a certain situation to make a decision on how I'm going to react. And I can, you know, get caught up in the moment, or I can, you know, look at the opportunity that it creates to maybe create change in my life, which I think is super important. But you just talked on something that was very important to me, which is sitting with the feelings. You know, today, 
I think we don't give ourselves enough time to actually sit with an emotion. And sometimes we are very dismissive with some of our feelings because we're moving on to the next thing. Why is sitting with feelings so important to you? And kind of why do you prioritize that? Because if I do not sit with those feelings, they will be stored in my body and they will come up again with a vengeance times 10 <laughs> the next time that particular trigger comes up for healing. Um, so it is important to, to me, and I would say for, for most people who are on a transformation journey to allow themselves to sit with that. And the other thing that it does is it allows you to feel the scope of wide range human emotions. Like part of the human experience that I find so exciting is that we have this wide range of emotions that we get to experience. So why not play around with what that looks like to fully embody being a human? Um, we, you know, again, we're taught to avoid negative emotions. We're taught to avoid negative experiences. That's our egos wanting to keep us safe and keep us protected. Um, you know, and I'm not saying like, go put yourself in like dangerous situations or to feel like crap every single day, but it is important to sit with it because there's always a lesson in there that is for you and for your growth and for your own unique individual journey. And if we don't allow ourselves to just sit with that and tune in and listen, we're going to miss that lesson. And the lesson will keep repeating itself and it will keep popping up until we get it. And sometimes it will get so loud and it'll be so devastating that you're like, oh, maybe I could have avoided that. <laughs> I've learned this lesson 10 years ago, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one conversation that I've had um, with my family and my friends is the topic of conflict. You know, often we think in our lives, conflict is a negative thing. But conflict, from my perspective, is a healthy process. And when we are kind of in the fight of life, if you will, imagine you're a boxer, often people see challenges coming at them and they slip past that. But unfortunately, that creates a mound of conflict that we then are going to have to deal with at a later time. And I feel like so many people often avoid the simple issues that they could kind of come up to and like actually have a conversation about but we slip them. And then unfortunately, the next time, maybe we don't slip it as well. And then all of the other examples behind us kind of build and create these catastrophic events in our lives that are so emotionally charged um, that they create such turbulence. And so I've always been interested in that concept, concept of conflict and viewing it as a positive thing, because it gives us an opportunity to kind of move forward in a healthy way without carrying the baggage or the backpack of weight behind us. Yeah, totally. And I think we avoid that conflict because we're afraid to be seen. We're afraid to be seen um, as vulnerable. We're afraid to speak our truth and our voice to someone. Like if someone did something that made us feel some type of way that could potentially create conflict, like we may not want to address that person because we don't want to create drama or we don't want to have that person mad at us. Like we're inventing these stories in our mind because we're afraid of what might happen rather than like flexing the muscle of, hey, I want to speak my truth to this person and let them know how this made me feel. Um, and if you don't, if you hold on to that, like it's gonna come back around, like we've been saying, and probably again, like 10X with the intensity <laughs> because you didn't handle it the first time. I think that's a huge skill. You know, I've, I read a book recently called 12 and a half and it's based on the emotional skill sets, EQ, if you will, you know, empathy, compassion. One of those in there is candor. 
And I think often having honest candor with people, having those tough conversations, but doing it in an empathetic way to have the conversation is super powerful. And that's something that I've been working on a little bit. Um, have you ever prioritized your ability to have those tough conversations? Because as a coach, I'm sure you have to kind of play the role of, we need to identify this. We should have a conversation about this because maybe this is holding you back from being your true successful self. Yeah. I mean, as a coach, one of my main premises is to get people into discomfort and I own that and I do it with love, of course, because it is for them and it's for their growth and their journey. And they have to be able to see it that way so that they know when we get to those places of discomfort, they know that there's something better on the other side of it. But I think so often we were worried that people are going to perceive us a certain way, or we're going to hit an emotional trigger with them. And where we need to get to a place is that how someone responds to us when we speak our voice. Um, and, and again, if we do it in a way of candor and love, we worry so much about what they're going to say, but we have to understand like their lens of how they receive that conversation. That's a reflection of their journey and their maturity and potentially their wounding as well. And that's not for us to own. Mm. That's not for us to fix. And so there has to be this sort of mutual awareness that in the way that I bring something up and the way that the other person receives it is both a result of our conditioning, our wounding, um, what we've learned about conflict growing up. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, I, sometimes when I have to have tough conversations with even like my family, for example, you know, I've recognized that my parents came from a previous place and they have their own unique experiences. And so maybe being able to accomplish a, a conversation, if you will, through that mutual understanding is the best way to come at it. And I've tried to also protect, I don't know if it's my ego or if it's just like my true heart of recognizing that like, I'm going to have to speak my truth and maybe you're not going to be able to receive it. And I can't control that, but I am willing to have the conversation about it so we can both get on the same page of understanding on how we can create a better path forward. Um, and that's been a big, huge part of my growth process as well is recognizing that everybody's not going to always receive the information that you're saying the best way possible, but it is my duty as 50% of this relationship to help us create a path forward. hundred percent, hundred percent. And if we're talking about, you know, a relationship with a partner or a close friend, chances are they understand your level of consciousness and awareness, and they're going to be more willing to accept the intention behind the conversation that you're wanting to have with them. Um, and so they would be willing to learn how to receive that. Even if their first reaction is to not receive it well, they're at least going to be able to get to a place where they understand the intention behind, you know, where you were coming at them from. Stranger, probably not so much, mm -hmm. but someone that you have a, a relationship with, yes. Wow. I mean, such a, a powerful topic of discussion. Um, so from a different perspective, what has you excited today? What type of projects are you working on? And what has you kind of like really, I guess, charged up for the second half or the fourth quarter of 2022? Mm, I am so, so excited about where I'm going with my one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot of content and conversations with clients around the topic of freedom and authenticity. That's really the soul of my business. That's the soul of who I am as a person. And I'm really calling clients 
participants in that are ready to step into this sort of new level of freedom. And I'm encouraging people to start thinking about freedom in a very different way than what they were taught before. I think so often we have been conditioned to think that freedom is something that's given to us and that some sort of external force sort of is responsible for giving us freedom and sovereignty as human beings. And I'm really challenging people to expand their mind, to think of it as something that it's like, that only comes from within. You get to decide what you're freeing yourself from, whether that's thoughts, patterns, old mistakes, guilt, shame, old relationships, old, um, old identities, whatever that is, like you have the power to create that freedom for yourself and no one is going to grant that to you. Um, and so I'm finding that clients are starting to really identify with this notion of freedom and they're really wanting to create that for themselves, whether that be through their career, through their lifestyle, what have you. Um, and so I'm starting to kind of see this, this direction that I'm going to be going with my business and types of clients I'm going to be calling in. And it's, it's really going to be down that, down that path. I'm so happy for you. You know, I feel like we had the discussion last time. It's like, once we find true alignment, we start creating a polarizing perspective in the marketplace. When you find your true message, people are going to naturally be drawn towards you because they are in alignment with what you're trying to teach. Um, and the same will happen for people who get repelled from you. And I think that's such an amazing place to be is recognizing that not everybody is made for me, but the people who are going to come here are going to experience that perspective of freedom, which really is from my perspective, you know, a sense of true accountability and authority, giving ourselves that accountability and the authority to be happy based on the choices that we make, the lifestyle that we live and the things that we choose to allow ourselves to do is just such an amazing message. And I'm so happy that we've got people like you out there who are helping people really remember their true power um, because it's all within us, right? It is. It is within us. And we 100% own that decision. Um, it is 100% a choice that we make. And if we choose to not pursue happiness, not pursue freedom and fulfillment, that's also a choice that we get to own. So that's the beauty of it. That's amazing. Well, you know, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with me today and sharing this space. It's been an amazing conversation. It's been so much value. I want to give you a couple minutes here, a couple seconds, whatever you want to call it, to let people know where they can find more about you. Beautiful. Thank you. So for your listeners out there, just to reiterate, I am a solid life coach. I work with clients that are done with being stuck, done with settling for just okay in their life, and they're ready to step into a life of meaning, fulfillment, purpose. Um, right now, I'm working with clients primarily in a one-on-one -on -one coaching container. Um, I also can be found doing uh, quarterly webinars, which is usually based on topics that I'm hearing a lot from my community that they want more education on. So you can uh, keep your eyes out for the next one coming up in Q4. Um, but primarily I hang out on Instagram. I am Kelly Anderson or on LinkedIn, Kelly Anderson Coaching. Um, but yeah, I'm so looking forward to making some new connections. Absolutely, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the podcast. It's been incredibly enlightening to hear, you know, your perspective, Kelly, but more so, you know, your way in which you're pushing us forward. And I just want to thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing, because I know people who are listening to the episode today um, have found themselves in the position of maybe hearing those whispers and recognizing that they're not happy and hearing that there are other people out there who have made the decision to move in a bold new path towards what their true alignment is, um, is truly inspiring. I just want to thank you so much for, you know, the impact that you're having on all of us, because there are a lot more people out here who are silently observing and watching that I think is super important. 
important as well.